Hi, and welcome to The Fit, the fashion, innovation, and technology podcast hosted by eFitter, personalizing the shopping experience for you. My name's Judith. And I'm Elizabeth. And on The Fit, we delve into the complex world of fashion and tech with insights from industry players, old and new, and much, much more. Join us every other Monday for a new episode you do not want to miss. To join the tribe, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at eFitter app and join the conversation using the hashtag TheFitPod. This is our 60 second roundup where we try to summarize what is going on in the world of fashion and tech in 60 seconds. With the effects of the pandemic being felt globally, African designers are not exempt from its impact and some believe they are vulnerable to disruption. Our first episode with Jendaya saw there were unique challenges when building an e-com platform in Africa, but now it is more clear that African designers and retailers must take advantage of online tools to strengthen their businesses. There is a new push to digitize what was previously brick and mortar and instead innovates through digital experiences as we had seen through the futuristic Hanifa fashion show earlier this year. Though we're still in a pandemic, COVID-19 is not the only crisis the world is facing. The resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement this spring led to the formation of the Black in Fashion Council, aiming to increase the representation of Black people in fashion at all levels. But while the world has finished posting Black Squares, arranging chats with Black business owners, and making one-off donations to BLM, the timing couldn't have been better for Telfar Clemens to break into the mainstream. Although Telfar has been around since 2005, the Telfar bag has been a viral sensation aiming to increase accessibility and luxury fashion with the tagline, not for you, for everyone. With the black designer reimagining what it means to run a designer brand, maybe other labels will follow suit to make a lasting change. The number of consumers shopping physically in retail stores is falling. With latest pandemic restrictions in place, footfall in shopping centres fell 32.1%. The constant change in coronavirus laws has increased uncertainty for the industry and led to more consumers shopping online. This not only requires brands to pivot their long-term strategy, but also ensures they focus on perfecting the online journey for the average consumer as the outlook remains the same for the months to come. So yeah, we've spoken about in the 60 second roundup how, you know, everyone is shifting from physical stores to online. But do you remember the last time you bought something from a shop? Like clothing? No. And the funny thing is, even before the pandemic, I, I vividly remember I bought some things from Mango and it's cheaper to order to their store. So I literally went from work after work, picked it up. But that's the last time I entered a store. Like I, I really don't like shopping in person anyway. But now you have not seen me on any shop floor. I promise you. Nowhere am I queuing. queuing? No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, I feel exactly the same way. And I think it's funny because I'm not a big shopper anyway like I only shop when I need something and I genuinely can't remember the last time I went to a store it definitely wasn't in 2020 so I guess that tells us everything that we need to know about the way our buying habits have changed because even though I was never a big in-store shopper there would be an occasion when I kind of walk in and buy something off the cuff actually I think I might remember the last thing I bought in store and it was a really bad purchase, guys. Forgive me because, you know, we're talking about being sustainable. But it's <laughs> true. It was, it was actually a long time ago, though. I think it was back in March last year when Forever 21 was closing down. Wow. So I was in Oxford Street. It was a long time ago. I only remember it because I was coming from one of my friend's birthdays like in that time. So I was in Oxford Street and I saw the Forever 21 closing, whatever. And I was just like, am I really going to do this to myself? I hate sale. Why am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. I did it. So I walked to the shop and then I was like, 
I was there for about 30 seconds. And I was like, I cannot. This is hell to me. It's a mess. And then I picked up this bodysuit. Um, and it's a bodysuit that I now pole dance in. <laughs> and it was on sale for like three pounds or something ridiculous. Having said that, <laughs> if I didn't buy it, it probably would have ended up in landfill anyway. So I mean, there's an excuse. There's an excuse I can find. <laughs> <laughs> I did my bit, you know. You did. I, I have to. And it was it was before we really decided to take the plunge and go full sustainable. I think. That's true. So you're you're off you're off the hook there. But no, I, I definitely feel like we have shifted as consumers in general our look on or just our perception on online shopping i think most who used to see it as an inconvenience had no choice earlier this year and those that you know naturally did it carried on doing it but i think at the same time consumers are a bit more conscious of what they're buying it's not just buying because i want to buy and i think one thing to mention is something i used to do was shop for events and there aren't any more in real life events really so even the whole spontaneous, let me pop into a store, let me pop into shop, top shop or boohoo doesn't really happen anymore. Um, albeit the queues, you can't really pop into a shop anymore. But yeah, I, I definitely feel like this shift and it, with the new restrictions in place, it definitely means that this is going to be the new normal for a very long time. Very, very long mm-hmm. time. And speaking of, I think this is a great chance for us to talk about what we're doing to adapt to the fact that digital shopping or shopping online is going to be bigger than it's ever been. So um, let's talk about it. What have we been up to since our last episode aired back in what, May? May, was it May? Yeah, it was May. And we had an Instagram live for that one. So it was really nice to connect with you all. But since then, a lot has happened. I think May was like the month before they would have reopened um, retail stores. And Mm. I think in that period, we were trying to figure out the best way to really sell the product like how like we know what the concept is we know what it's trying to solve but how do we package this to the average consumer so we started user testing we started the first batch of user testing and it was very very honestly now I'm trying to think and I can't remember what it was because we've had (laughs) so many user tests it's just over my head but we had it we had a test and we basically had one-on-one zoom so if you're listening to this thank you because you were part of our product our product journey and I think since then, we kind of reconfigured again what we wanted the product to look like and what we thought it should look like based on the feedback from the first session. And literally, as we speak right now, we have literally just finished the second batch of user testing. You will find Bleggy's very happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very tired. Very, very tired. Man. <laughs> That was a trip. I mean, user testing was fun when it actually happened. <laughs> so by that, I mean... <laughs> so the way that we did it, for anyone who was unaware, is we sent out an email to begin with and we um, publicised it on our Instagram, set up a calendar page for people to book a slot whenever they're available to join the user test. And then before the actual test would happen, we would send a little survey just to get a feel for like their internet habits basically and what really blew my mind I mean it irritated me a lot but it probably surprised me more is that people would book and fill in the survey and not turn up and I was just like what even because you couldn't pay me to do that why would I go out of my way to book something and then fill in a survey and then not commit to it so that was definitely something but I think in retrospect it was partially because 
people, especially people who don't know us personally, they see Ifita as a brand, um, which I guess is a fair reflection of us. So it's easy to forget that behind a brand, especially a small business, there are real people, which means that, you know, any decision that you make. So for every single person who helped us, like they actually helped us immeasurably. It was like, we could not express how grateful we are for each tester because we are a small business and every insight is valuable. But then the flip side of that is for every person who doesn't show up, that's a half hour slot that we've lost that we're not going to get back. So yeah, it was a challenge. I think for me, that was a big learning curve. It was just like, okay, yeah, people are going out of their way to do you a courtesy, which I appreciate, but it was, it doesn't make it any less painful or annoying when they don't turn up. Yeah. I think it was very frustrating. I think at the time, because we are working on the deadline now and we had those three weeks, I think, yeah, exactly three weeks to bang out the slots. And I'm not talking about once one session a day It was like three sessions a day for four days a week for three weeks. So it was very intense. And we understood that, okay, maybe not everyone will turn up, but at least we would have the majority turn up and give us the insight because we need it. it the product won't happen without you guys. Let's be very real. It, it won't, it won't work. Um, and so, yeah, it was very discouraging at, at times, but I think it was also coupled with people that would actually give us amazing insight, like insight we wouldn't even think of when building a product because we also have our own assumptions and we were basing it on an, a scenario and you know I mean the first user testing we didn't tell anyone that we were doing it we just reached out to people um specifically via dm and we just said listen you've interacted with us um and I'm sure you would be interested in testing it and I think there was a huge difference because I think a lot more people did show up in the first one and the second one we kind of just left it to the wind but we still had people turn up and I think that's very important it wasn't the number we wanted, but we still definitely still had results from that. So it wasn't time wasted at all. But I think what Blakey said is very important. As a small brand, we are people. <laughs> Literally, people are carrying this whole brand. So please do bear that in mind um, when, when we do this again, if we do this again. And yeah, and I think it also leads us to speak about the actual product development. As we said, like at the end of season one, we didn't have a product. We had an idea of what it could be. And since then... I think the capital word for the past few months has been pivot. I think everything, everyone and everything has had to pivot in this pandemic. But I think for us, it was very early stage where we could do that and it wouldn't cost us a penny. And through the conversations we had with certain people in the industry, certain big players in the industry, we kind of had to see how it would be perceived. It was very interesting to hear input that we didn't really welcome. I don't want to say exactly what they said. Oh, if you don't, I will. <laughs> I know exactly because I don't like repeating it. I'll be very honest with you. It's not going to be repeat because okay. I think it's very important. Even though it was said to us, I don't think we should repeat that. I think not. Not now, anyway. Not now, anyway. I think later on we will say and we will. Oh, we will talk all about it. But like we said, certain conversations were just conversations. And speaking with people, we have. We are now building something. We think we believe that everyone benefit from but what's mm -hmm. your thoughts on product development so um with our first user test we had a very clear idea of what our product would be and that the way it would work wasn't that far removed from the way that we'd imagined it when we first had the conversation back in like october november last year yeah. and it was effectively having a little plug-in um embedded into wherever you're shopping that you can click on so there are already similar things out there and 
we, through our research, we found that the biggest problem with them is the user uptake. And to be fair, even in our user tests, a lot of people spoke about those plugins and they said either um, they use them, but they didn't get the results that they wanted or they don't trust them. So they don't use them. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we're not going to just, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. We're not going to do the same thing again and, you know, get the same outcome. So what can we do to get more engagement? So um, during that time, uh, I was on a program, on a startup program, um, where we worked to kind of develop the EFIT um, platform and everything else and kind of like just business building. And um, I had a mentor who was from the fashion tech industry. So we kind of, we spoke about what our original idea for the product was. And one piece of advice that he gave us that I found really valuable and the thing that I, I don't know about you, Judith, but it's the thing that I've remembered as we've tried to kind of build on the product is if we build a product that requires us to be implemented onto a fashion site, then it means that we're kind of at the mercy of that site. So if for whatever reason they take us down, let's say, you know, Christmas is coming up, Black Friday is coming up, there's going to be code freezes. They take us down before Black Friday. We will not be back on that website until January the next year. So we have to think, okay, how do we work our way around it? How do we make sure we're still visible without being beholden to these brands? And even in that person, the interview, um, not interview, the meeting with that person whose name we're not going to mention, who's a very big player in the fashion industry, <laughs> Although what he said was frankly preposterous to me, um, I have no problem repeating it because I find it laughable. And even in the moment, I laughed. And I said to Judith, look, we're going to put this, we're going to blow this up in the wall in our office because it's laughable. Yeah. We're gonna have and to be honest, what he said has already been disproven. So we've already actually done the opposite of what he said he, we would do. So I guess this is all that. I mean, there's always going to be haters. <laughs> there's going to be criticism. And some of it is not going to be constructive. Yeah. So I think I took what he said and there was something in it. There was something in it that we had to reflect and think, hmm, how can we monetize this, what we are thinking of? And it led us to reflect on that. But I think the difference between his, his approach and my mental's approach was my mental basically said, okay, this system right now in the long term is not going to work for you. How do you find something that does versus this person just kind of, that kind of just treated us as if we were two girls with our heads in the sky and a pipe dream. So <laughs> anyway, the lesson there, guys, I think is just, you know, criticism is valuable, even when it's coming from a place of, when it's not coming from a place of actually trying to be supportive. And there's always something that we can take from it. And I think even in that instance, it really helped us with the direction that the product is going in. Yeah. And with that, do you want to explain a little bit more about what the product looks like now or what we yeah, imagine it look like? I'd love to. So now, as they said, it's, it's still a plugin. So it's now an extension, which you would essentially download on whatever browser you use. And we are, looking for it to look like or have the user face of a chatbot and it's not any old chatbot one that you know you type and it it can't help you and it takes you to like an, a phone call nothing like that it's all very personalized and automated for you it's easy it's literally a click of a button you find your size you can find material info and these are things that we have seen through our user testing that users need without even clicking the chatbot, the first thing they're looking for is size and material information. So with these two um, problems, we've used that to kind of 
tailor the experience to solve those problems very specifically. And we hope that every user that signs up, we get more and more information to better inform every user that comes after. I'm very excited about this product. I think now, and funny enough, we do talk about that conversation being very wow. But at the same time, it was fuel. And I think it was fuel to prove, not really to prove them wrong, but to just prove that we were right. And to prove that even though the way in which we thought we were going to go about it has changed, our, pod, our product and our core aim hasn't changed. And I think that's very important. And we've held on to that. So hopefully this product shows that and it's used everywhere. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I learned on the program that we were on is that the most important thing that anybody's investing in when you're super early stage is the team. So the people behind it, what their vision is, their drive and all the rest of it, not so much the product. So for me, even the idea of pivoting, um, I remember we had a conversation way back when, and I was like to you, if we have to pivot this product, are you going to be okay with it? How are you going to feel? Because <laughs> I guess our relationship with eFitter has changed quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> I think at the beginning, like it, at early stages, like you, I've had no idea how to, how this was going to pan out. Like you, if you told me a year ago, this is where we'd be, I would just be like, what? I don't, know, I don't know what that is. Like I've learned so much in the past year, but I think for me, my relationship with Aoife, I we've spoken about this before, but it was very like to my chest and it's like, I can't let go of this. But the funny thing is when you asked me that question, I was like, yeah, of course. I didn't, I actually didn't feel any reservation to that. Cause I was like, if it still becomes what it's meant to be, that's fine. It's just the way in which that's going to happen is going to change and that's okay. So yeah, I think, but I do think we've done okay, you know, with Ifata. I don't think we've, we've done all right, you know, <laughs> pat on the back. <laughs> and great. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about how we're not very good at celebrating victories. So, I mean, I speak of this program and it ended with a pitch where we had an opportunity to pitch for some funding. So we won said funding, which was great. But I think that both of us didn't really sit down and acknowledge that we had won funding. And it was like, okay, you know, we've got 5K now, which is 5K more than what we had before. So, by the way, just want to which say is zero for anyone who's struggling with the mess out there. It is bootstrapping to the T, but yeah, carry on. Sorry, <laughs> to clarify. <laughs> and I think it was like, it was partially because um, we were like, well, you know, it's 5K. We're going to, we want to earn, we want to earn a lot more. We want to raise a lot more. So 5K feels like a small amount. But I also think there was another conversation about whether we're very good at celebrating our victories. Because, I mean, we both put ourselves so far out of our comfort zone. We launched a podcast, which both of us were like, oh, my God. We did it live <laughs> on camera. And then we went out of our way, pitched for funding, won funding. There are so many milestones that we've achieved that sometimes we can need to just stop and take stock of and acknowledge, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I... I mean, we were talking about it earlier, and I, I do think it's deep-rooted in our, not, not really culture, but just our nature to just kind of reach milestones that we didn't think would happen at certain points. Like, you know, you're working towards something, but you think it's going to be the huge one at the end, and there's going to be very, very little steps that you're taking to reach that huge milestone. So you tend to just overlook those ones and just focus on the big one, like, you know, when you reach a million in valuation and, and or billion, you know? But in actuality, it's these little milestones that get you further and that really push us to go. And I think 
naturally we tend to overlook them because it's like, we can do better. We can get better. We can get more. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think we definitely need to learn to take the time and appreciate how far we've come. It's barely even been a year, you know? That's the crazy thing. That's the crazy thing, yeah. It's barely even been a year since we sat down in that grind and we said, okay, yeah, let's do this till now. And look at how, just a year or less than, it's crazy. And I think we've definitely done amazing. And there's so much more to do for sure. But we're very, very grateful. Absolutely. So, okay, we've been working. I feel like we've made the most progress in the last... I don't know, five or so months while we've been in the pandemic, which is, was completely unexpected because I guess when we were in lockdown, when it all began, we were kind of like, okay, how is this going to affect us? So how do you think being in, in lockdown or just COVID as a whole has affected the way that we work? I think it's made us more productive in a way, like or, or more proactive. I think that's what I'm looking for. I think when the pandemic first hit, it was kind of a season of, oh, it's going to... I think no one really thought it would last this long. Let's be very honest. It, it, it didn't yeah. look like it was going to. And then when it turned to months and three months or four months, we kind of just had to snap back into it. And we're like, we cannot let this year pass us by and we're nowhere near a product. Like that, that, that just can't happen. And I think it really lit a fire for us to just be like, okay, this is the perfect scenario where users would need eFitter. They're at home. There's nowhere else they can go. They need to find the perfect sizing because why would you want to order three items that are worth £85 and return two? It, it doesn't make any sense. So with that all in mind, I think it kind of made us more proactive in that sense. And it also made us more connected in terms of, you know, there's so many things that I think there was a lot of noise. That's the way to put it. There was a lot of noise and it made us kind of hone in on what needed to be done and how and in what time frame we have been very strict with our time frames and i'm really proud of us because we kept to them and we're actually going to hit that goal you know that goal i'm talking about <laughs> are we no but, <laughs> <laughs> we have to hit it we will hit it but it's just testament of like our hard work and i'm really proud of us i don't think we've really had any bad um results due to pandemic i don't think anything has happened that's like oh my god this is so bad everything has actually luckily been great so yeah I, I don't think i would change anything to be perfectly honest with you yeah i agree i think the main change is obviously that we're doing this via zoom as opposed to face to face there's that <laughs> and um and yeah like you said we do i feel like we're more connected and we're talking a lot more and i think that's come from both not being able to see each other physically, but also just from our learnings. Yeah. So we've, we've both had moments where I guess it's partially because you've settled in a lot more to work and like the rhythm of work. So you've had more time to think about ethos in your spare time. And then for me, just being on that program and speaking to people who are either starting their own businesses or are mentors or coaches or whatever they are, there's a massive insight that I didn't really realize and one of the things that I have a really bad habit of doing is thinking things and then not telling Judith and not explain like and expecting her to read my mind you know like she'll literally be like oh did I tell you I was like no you didn't you can't read your mind and the thing is there's such good ideas guys and I'm like why didn't you tell me I just be like I'm pretty sure I wrote that down no we now have literally in Slack a um, channel that's like 
what's it brainstorm because yeah. when it comes to mind she's meant to go into the chat and type it in randomly and then we'll re- revisit at a later time whether she's done that i don't know check. <laughs> i'm getting better okay <laughs> i'm getting better <laughs> what's, that's one of the things i got from being on the program actually um believe it or not and it sounds so basic think of a great idea share said great idea but i just i'm so in my head sometimes and it's so go 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 that i just forget to communicate it so that's something that i've learned and it's been really valuable because i feel like some of the things that we're doing now and some of the things we've got coming up that we can't wait to share um are they're about less than just they're more than just the product itself it's about building a community and how we harness it and it's just great to have this freedom and the space to kind of think of those ideas. Um, you mentioned this actually, having space or being away from the noise. And I definitely feel that it's just meant that things move along very quickly, but it also means that we're very focused. I'd also say that a major change since being in pandemic is that we're doing everything with a lot more urgency. So the fact that we've got like, such rigid deadlines they're there for a reason because we're kind of like if not now then when that's where we are at the moment and of course if we don't hit something then you can always launch it the next day or the next week or whatever but the sense of urgency is this is the optimum time we want to get this done now because when who knows when we're going to have such a great opportunity in terms of people being at home people having the time to explore new things so i'd say that's a major change it's also something that's given me a lot of anxiety. I'm not going to lie to you because, boy, <laughs> one of the deadlines is super ambitious. I think about, I wake up every morning and I think about it. So. <laughs> uh, you know what? You know what? I think, I think um, like you said, it's not the end of the world if we don't hit it. But I think having those deadlines means that we're working towards something and it's not just up in the air. And I, like you said, time is moving so fast. Like, was it not just yesterday that we had the Instagram live? Was it mm-hmm. not? No? I don't understand what's happening. We're already in October. You know that, right? <laughs> this is insane. This is so insane. The year is literally done. And it's very easy to get caught up in. There's so much happening. I'm in a pandemic, you know. But the world doesn't stop. That's the reality. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop for me. It doesn't stop for anyone. And we just have to keep going. And I think that's been our motto. Um, for the past few months and I'm I'm glad that we have the same mentality because when both of us are both like let's go let's do this it's it's easier you know and a a lot more gets done so yeah I think we have come a long way since February was it February 2nd our first ever episode Um, so much has happened in between and we've also just got so much more in store, like Blakey said, that we are so excited and can't wait to tell you about. We're going to have our tongues until time. But yeah. So since you mentioned, you know, being in a pandemic and the world not stopping, you know, we have achieved a lot in a pandemic, but it has also been a very stressful time for everybody. It's also been a time that has been very ang- anxious, anxiety inducing, because we don't really know what's going on. So what have you done to help yourself manage during that time? Um, I'm a stickler for like organization in terms of setting goals. And I think one of the things I did January before the pandemic and was have like a vision board and just kind of had, have um, not deadlines, but kind of like milestone dates. So like by this, I think we had one for our calendar. Uh, like we wanted one piece of PR by, was it March? 
but yeah, by the end of the year, exactly. So these things I think kept me kind of sane. I'm the type of person I like routine and I like getting up and going to work and then coming back. And I know it's Eve at a time. That literally got chucked out the window. It was literally my room and my work and Aoife's and everything else in, at one place. So I think I just had to organize my life and organize my time. And it forced me to really realize that I'm not perfect. When you are working on something, you tend to think that you know it all or like you're the best person to do a job. And in actuality, you're not. But it doesn't mean you can't work to be, you don't, can't try to be. And I think I've taken the time to self-develop and really hone in on the skills that need to hone in and those that, you know, I'm good at carried on perfecting it. And I think now, weirdly enough, I'm in a better place than I was in January. And I find that so insane because it's been the hardest year ever. But I think I've taken the time to just really set things down, write things down a lot. And also daily, I, literally, I'll get up and I'll be like, okay, I need to do this for Ethos, I'll do this at work. And be, like ticking things off lists is a very therapeutic thing for me. And I think it's that, just finding out what works for you and making sure that every day looks like that. Yeah. Um, I think the crucial thing for me is learning to rest and learning to take that break before you burn out. So I was saying how... I'm super proud of myself that I haven't burnt out in September because September has been a mad month, you know? <laughs> it's been, there's been a lot going on. So I think that's something that I had to kind of sit, back, sit down, take stock and be like, actually, yeah, you did good. You know, you're managing this okay. You're not doing too much. You're not pushing yourself beyond where you can go. And I think to your point, there isn't a bit of realizing your own mortality, I guess this is going to sound really deep and morbid, but like realizing that, you know, you are only human and you can't save the world and you're not going to be the person to do everything and solve everything. You don't have all the answers and utilizing the people around you to help you on that journey. That's been a big thing for me this year. Um, scheduling time for myself. So um, today is self-care Sunday, which means that even if I've got ether to work to do, and we've had a lot of ether to work to do today, I'm still going to have my time to, you know, have my clay mask in my hair. It's currently stewing under some deep conditioner. <laughs> and then I'm going to wash it out and watch Love Island, you know? So, <laughs> so I think for me, a crucial thing has definitely been setting that time aside because I notoriously haven't been very good at that in the past. And I think that's one of the things that I'm most proud of achieving this year, achieving that space to just be and not have to do all the time. Um, and I also think that um, one thing you didn't mention is when I think it was around the end of August mm -hmm. when we'd finished the pitch stuff and we we're preparing for the next round of user testing. We finished the first set of user testing. We finished pitch stuff and we were exhausted and we just took like a week and a half to kind of do nothing. And it, I don't think it was conscious. I think it was like, we set these deadlines and we're like, yeah, we're going to do this. And we just didn't have the energy. Yeah. But even when we didn't do much for that week and a half or week or so, it wasn't like we were beating each other up or beating ourselves up that we didn't do it. It was just like, okay, we just, we actually need this break. We move on to the next. And I feel like we were a lot more energized going into that next round of testing just Definitely. because we took that time to stop. A hundred percent. And I, I think what you're saying is actually so true. I can't believe I even forgot that because Running out is real, especially when you have a full-time job and you are building a startup. It is inevitable. But I think what's more important is actually working smarter rather than working harder. 
with the startup culture, it's hard. Like you think you'll take a weekend off and you end up not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think the key is literally figuring out how to work smarter. Um, and that resting does not mean that someone else is beating you at what you're doing. It's okay to rest. Cool. For our people who have been a part of our beta tests, you've been like a super engaged community. And to be honest, I think our Instagram community is the best because I feel like we do anything, we post anything and people engage and it's great and it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. So we want to do a little something to kind of make you guys feel a little bit special. So we're formalizing this little community. And one of the first things that's going to happen is we're going to have some ether to merch. So for everyone who wants to join the crew to rep eFitter, there's going to be a chance to do that very soon. I'm super excited because I can't wait to have Millennial Pink everything. Like, I feel like I've escaped Millennial Pink for so long. Anyway, merch store is coming soon and we can't wait to share all the details. We're so, so excited for that. I think you guys have been, like Blakey said, incredible. And honestly, we can't wait to grow some more. We are so excited to make you guys feel a part of something. We'll be sending out all the hashtags you need so you can get reposted on eFitter's page all that stuff but we also do want to appreciate those that were our beta testers like Becky said so we will send an email and sort of out for that for sure but that is very exciting and so is the other thing we're not going to mention the date of yeah it is <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of the fit for more updates please follow us on instagram and twitter at the app or follow us with the hashtag the fit Don't forget to like us, rate us, comment, engage however you listen to your podcasts. It's really important for us so that we can get the word out there. See you soon. Bye.